0: Beer hello internets and welcome to a drink to the past uh the only the only podcast on the internet where i forget to look at my notes to remember what stupid thing i said i was gonna say in the ubiquitous opening monologue at the start of the podcast I am your host, John Michael Patrick Thompson, as always the host, and of course I will remind you to subscribe and share our content and also all that good stuff. Ring that bell to get notifications every Friday when we're live on YouTube. You can also check us out later on Podbean or Apple Podcasts if that is your preferred method, but uh, you get all sorts of exclusive goodies like Chris playing Slay the Spire on YouTube, Uh, and you know, whatever else, we stream different games from time to time. So, uh, lots of fun there. So, check us out on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, anyways, um, without further ado, let's get into some beer and some Sean drinking something stupid. Uh, so, I've got, an interesting cocktail for us today. Um, so the, uh, Chris, do you remember Rudolph the Red-Nosed Retard?
1: Uh, I don't remember what went into it. I do remember it.
0: <laughs> do you remember that day? I do remember that day. You're one of the few. <laughs> because of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Retard. So, uh, basically, we were all at my house one day, and um, we were watching all the Hobbit movies, and then we uh, watched. We went to the theater to watch the final one when it released. Uh, but while we were watching the first two, we... Inexplicably, everybody brought over booze. I don't know why. Somebody brought over this and that. And anyways, we all thought, hey, let's have car bombs, but we didn't have any of the stuff to make car bombs. So we kind of screwed around. We made a, the, we got the wrong kind of stout. So I've got w- another one of these snowdrift vanilla porters from the other week, um, and uh, so it's it's this one isn't even a stout, but it's like it's close enough. And that's kind of to the spirit of this ridiculous drink. So I'm going to do it, and uh, the next, of course, the drop shot in an Irish car bomb is made out of Jameson's and uh, Bailey's Irish cream, Uh, and we didn't have any of that, so we used gingerbread Kahlua, and some. I think it was like tin cup whiskey, so I just grabbed some, uh, this is the latest bottle of random whiskey I have, it's George Dickel, Dickel is a funny name, so it must be good. I really have no idea. It is idea. a funny
1: name.
0: I've never tried this whiskey before, so uh going to figure it out. And the last most important ingredient is the red nose, which is made out of a moonshine cherry. So you put that on top of the drop shot, and then we'll drop it in and, and chug away. So uh, this should be fun. I haven't had these moonshine cherries in a long ass time. Yeah, if I can get one out. They're tricky to get out, apparently. I remember it coming with more cherries last time. Maybe I got a different brand. I don't know. Oh, well. Anyways, moonshine cherry in the drop shot. And uh, bottoms up. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Retard. (laughs) (sighs) Thank
1: you. How was it?
0: Not as good as I remember. Not bad. It mostly tasted like stout with a little bit of gingerbread. And then, like, the best part of the red nose is that the cherry punches you in the back of the throat as it's going down. And you're like, oh, yeah, I need to swallow that, too, don't I? It's not all liquid. Uh, and then the bourbon stuff all—it's uh, it's not bourbon, but it's something like Tennessee whiskey. So it's—imagine Jack-ish kind of style. <laughs> that that kind of burn hit me all after everything else was done so it, it largely just tasted like this stout so or the, this porter so it's anyway yeah so that's that anyways now i've drunk something stupid now i can get into something totally different what are you drinking this week chris
1: uh once again i am drinking a left hand peanut butter milk stout
0: uh, Hey, good old what? standby. Dun-na-na-na, I got the same beer as you. Oh, my God. We're like Holy beer God. buddies. Yeah, I got because you kept recommending this. And then I saw it in the grocery store the other day. And I was like, all right, I got to try that because Chris keeps talking it up because I've had the peanut butter stout from Denver Beer Company that I think you had on a previous week as well. And then this uh, this one came up and I was like, I'm not sure if I have had that. And this is actually really good. So we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so, uh, what you playing, Chris?
1: Uh, well, what I'm playing on screen here is Slay of the Spire, which is kind of, uh, it's kind of a deck-building roguelike that was designed by a former MTG Magic the Gathering pro, uh... Hmm. Let's see. I also managed to pick up Cyberpunk 2077.
0: You got a game close to launch? I did! Wow! It was an age of calamity so you could join our spoiler discussion last week, you jackass. Nope, I'm a jackass. (laughs) That's okay. I'll drink to that. Uh, First, I have to open my beer to drink to that, but uh, I will drink to that momentarily. Yeah, so you played any of the Cyberpunk yet?
1: Uh, I have. Mm -hmm. And, uh... Based off of first impressions, at least, I'm not as hyped for it as uh, a lot of other people would probably want me to be. Mm -hmm. I'm going to piss off a lot of cyberpunk fans, I think, by saying what I'm saying. But Mm -hmm. uh, it's just... It's not as good as... People were making it out to be it's more of like it's got that standard triple-a design in a lot of ways mm. and i found at least the writing and the early parts yeah. i haven't played any side quests yet right. which are i think are supposed to be the strength of the game but the writing of, of the main story and the early parts is about as beat for beat like stock standard as you can get mm-hmm which is kind of a shame, because I, I yeah. was hoping the game would be, you know, better than that.
0: Yeah, um, I do keep hearing that the side quests are really where the meat of the game is and where it thrives. So I think there's something to be said about that sort of design, but I too am kind of like more of the kind of person that's there in a game for the primary story content. I don't do a lot of side questing in most games, like, I, because I, you know, just... Gaming being what it is, there's not enough time to really grind out side quests in every single game. So a lot of times, it's like, that's the part I'm not going to focus. I'm just going to be on, like... Like, I like doing side quests. And for games that I really, really love, I'll go out and 100% them and do all the side quests. I've almost completed all the side quests in Age of Calamity. And it's only been out at, you know, two weeks, three weeks. So, you know, it's, it's something that I like, but it's not something... That I almost ever focus. Excuse me, I'm burping here. Oh, oh, oh. Full of retard. Full full of red nose? I don't know. I'm full of something, so... Uh, oh, let's, let's drink. I've got a funny-ass cup here now. I don't know if you can see that. It says Cuddy 12. Cuddy Sark is... Uh, really cheap scotch whiskey, and it is not good. You remember that stuff my cousin brought to my bachelor party, Chris?
1: Uh... I don't think I... Drank it which based on what you're describing sounds like a good thing
0: yeah uh it was funny because like i kept being like oh it's not that bad you know just because my cousin was nice enough to you know drive me to my bachelor party and buy the booze and all that and he was awesome and 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 everybody else was just like oh man this whiskey's not good and i'm just like come on guys my cousin bought this he was trying (laughs) yeah yeah but, uh, yeah, I was not good. Although this is the for the Cuddy 12, I guess. We had the regular Cuddy Sark, which is a, a three-year, so it's a it's a cheaper one. I guess the – I don't know if the 12 is good at all. But I thought this mug was neat at least because it's like a little pitcher or something. My wife got me this, and I never had the gumption to tell her that I actually hate that kind of whiskey. <laughs> but I was like, all right, my wife bought me a mug. I'll fucking take it. <laughs> Ooh. And that is a good freaking beer. All uh, right. Uh, it's ratings. We keep. I lately I keep forgetting to say the ratings. We talk about the beer and then we then we don't rate it. So uh, this particular Rudolph the Red nosed retard, I'm just gonna give it ten. Like it mostly tasted like I chugged this porter, which was fine. I liked that porter, but the other stuff didn't add to it at all in this particular recipe. But I I think last time we had a heavier stout and i had actual gingerbread kahlúa might have might have done it this time i used some kind of off-brand gingerbread liqueur because i had it on hand and i really have no idea why or where i got this but um that's a thing <laughs> uh so on an ordinary day i would i would have rated this a little bit higher but uh this particular recipe did not come together Uh, This beer, though, the uh, peanut butter stout, wherever I left that can, um, is really, really good. Chris has been talking it up. I'm going to give it a fucking 16. I've been drinking this all week, and I've been having a ball with it. It's like it's all that peanut butter forward that you want out of a peanut butter beer, but it's also a little bit more complex than your average peanut butter beer because most peanut butter beers that I've had are just like, it tastes like peanut butter. You're like, okay, why didn't I just grab some fucking peanut butter and a shot of vodka, right? <laughs> you know, But uh, this one, it's like you get a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of coffee in there, and then the roastiness of the coffee and the malts and stuff really complements everything very well together. It's it, complex it's- enough to be interesting, but not so complex that it's complicated. It's still all simple things, but there is enough of them happening at once that it's not it's it's anything but boring flavor experience.
1: It's just it's just a beautiful beer.
0: Yeah, it's I got just, my new Christmas hat. This is my second Christmas hat of the season. I got my got my Rudolph the Red Nose. Is that nose red? It looks brown on the stream. It's a brown, a brown. That's brown nose. Yeah, the Rudolph the Brown Noser. I I, I, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. It's, it's This is a funny little game that I, I play with my kids. I put on this hat, and they throw the ring, and I'm terrible at it while I'm wearing the hat. And later, I'll get drunk and do it even more, and it'll be even worse, and it'll be hilarious. Or maybe it'll be better when I'm drunk. I don't know. I guess we'll find out, won't we? Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, for what you're playing for me, I have been playing all sorts of wacky things because Xbox Game Pass is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, they added... Um, River City Girls, so I tried that briefly, and it's, it's kind of interesting. It, it brings me back a little bit to those old school days. I played some of the River City Ransoms way back in the day. I don't remember which ones, Some, one of them way back in the day, I think, uh, and some other beat-em-ups like that. I remember one of my favorite games as a kid was, uh, the Karate Kid on NES, which was, uh, one of these kind of beat-em-ups. It was super fun. Um, so, Yeah, I love the the style of it. Um, My only complaint is that you move really, really slow when you're not running, and it's, like, not useful at all. And it it, it really bothers me for some reason. Uh, So I'm not very far in, though. So maybe it's just a thing that you get used to with time or something. Uh, But, uh, yeah, because I feel like when you're running, you're going, like, faster than you need to on a normal basis. But... If you just ran that fast all the time, I also wouldn't complain,
1: right? Um, Yeah, I mean, running should really have been the default in that game.
0: Yeah. I wonder if you can set it to, like, run by default, like, auto-run or something. Because it's also one of the problems I have on the Xbox is, you know, the double tapping the joystick doesn't always register for some reason. And so I died like a whole bunch of times to the first boss just because she's got that giant slam attack. And I'm just like trying to get out of the way and like double tap and, and I'm like walk 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 up <sniffs> I got hit. <laughs> what
1: what I like about that game is uh I feel like you really do learn you really do can feel yourself getting better at it doesn't Mm. feel like a lot of other beat-em-ups in that way
0: yeah i felt like the difficulty curve was like good enough for that because i i was kind of feeling that until i got to the that first boss and then i really felt like it was just my only problem with why i couldn't beat the first boss like try number one is that i moved so slow and it was having trouble uh moving on the or registering on the double tap on the joystick and I tried it with the d-pad too and that didn't seem to help at all so I don't know if it's just a weird thing to get used to or, or what or if I'm maybe my thumbs are broken I don't know <laughs> but anyways um also I started near automata because that is on game pass and that is really really cool it has maybe the best intro sequence to a video game that I have ever played it is like just throws you right into the action right away it's throwing you with some interesting story elements right away the music is fucking great it just as the whole way around like it starts out just with it's it's so crazy too because it starts with such different gameplay elements and like it throws so many gameplay elements together into a game that you wouldn't think it would work, but it all transitions seamlessly to where it creates this unique amalgamation of like Galaga and these kind of side-scrolling beat-em-ups like we're talking about with River City Girls, as well as action RPGs with open areas with you know combo attacks like a Warriors game almost. And, and all of these are coming in you know, just one after the other and, and it all works. It's insane. And it's like, how do you make this many games in the same game? It's so cool. Uh, so I'm really excited to get a little further into that. Um, what else did I play? I beat age of calamity. Uh, we had our big spoilery discussion, uh, last week. So check that out. If you're into, uh, interested in story spoilers and stuff like that or if you've beat the game or whatever uh, so it's it's very spoiler heavy so be warned but uh, it was a fun discussion we had a couple of guests on there uh, so check them out as well um, and yeah um, let's see what else have I been playing because I've fit oh, oh um I've actually been playing for a couple of weeks now Tetris effect connected which I really have never been a big Tetris guy. I've like been a casual Tetris is kind of cool kind of guy. Like since my childhood, like even back in the day when it was the, you know, the game boy game, like I wasn't that into it. It was like, this is fun, but it's not my thing. But something about Tetris effect, uh, I don't know if this is the same as the original Tetris effect, just with multiplayer, or if it's actually if the stages are different. Because I didn't play the original, but I really would like to go back and see the original now, as well, just because it's it's such a unique take on Tetris somehow, which is weird, because it's the same thing Tetris has always been, but uh, the music and the sound elements and the visual effects are all going together in such a unique way that it really makes it an enhanced experience from ordinary Tetris. And it's a lot more addictive than any other Tetris game I've ever played because of that. Like, I I downloaded it because it was on Game Pass again, and I was just like, okay, I'll check it out, maybe introduce my kids to a classic series, whatever, you know. And then I was like, I have five minutes to kill, you know, one day. And I just opened it up, and I was just, like, sucked in. It's so addictive and mesmerizing it and it's it doesn't really make any sense why but it totally is and it's just like why is this so good it's just tetris but i love it it's fucking crazy yeah didn't it didn't see that coming i still suck at tetris i get a d on every stage if i pass it at all <laughs> It's like, it gives you a grade at the end of every stage, and I have yet to get anything above a D. So I'm like, I'm passing them. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Close it up. Um, yeah, I think that's most of what I've been playing. I think there's something else, but that's that's plenty uh, for now, I think. Oh, no, the last thing was, because uh, almost about to leave Game Pass, unfortunately, is uh, the Touring Test. That's it. Um, so I'm almost done with that. I'm trying to grind out the last few levels of the touring test because that's a really cool puzzle game. I don't know how much I talked about that last time I talked about it, but uh, that was one of the games I tried on Stadia, and it was just awful because it was on Stadia, and streaming it on my phone on Xbox Game Pass is so much better, and like I've played almost this whole game on my phone, and it it just baffles me how good it is to play this game on my phone and it's it's a full game feeling experience on my phone like it's insane it's amazing i love it and it, it really proves to me that game streaming is a viable option so there's that so if you haven't checked that out on game pass it's leaving on the 15th so definitely check that out uh and if not you know after that like I'd, I'd recommend it. It's a good game. Go ahead and buy it. It's, it's cool. Shall we get into the news and booze? Uh, let's. All right. So the news and booze today, there's a few interesting things, and then we'll get into the Game Awards, will be our biggest news and booze topic. We'll kind of hit the highlights, I didn't put in the whole Game Awards thing, but uh, if you're uh, here for our Game Awards discussion, then definitely stick around for that, because that'll be coming up soon. But a couple of interesting things first. Uh, Monster Hunter movie uh, apparently debuted in Chinese cinemas, which is weird, because the movie theaters are all closed here. I would have expected that they would be in China too. Um, but they were removed from Chinese cinemas due to a dad joke of all things, sort of. So basically, apparently in the movie, the actual dialogue goes, What do you call this kind of knees? Chinese. Uh huh. It's like, it's a terrible ass joke. And it's that seems innocuous enough but apparently the localization for the Chinese versions made it sound like really racist apparently so wow I don't understand how exactly that happened but this like not funny dad like I'm a dad I fucking love dad jokes but this is a bad one (laughs) and somehow it got localized into some sort of racial thing I'm like how is that how do you do that? That's so weird.
1: Uh, I I think I can see like how it could happen, right? But I feel like so- someone had to have screwed up to have.
0: I done guess that. yeah, because it's like you would have figured that it would have been localized by Chinese people, a Chinese localization team. At at least they would have spoke the language enough to understand probably what they were saying when they wrote the dialogue, right? So this seems like an odd thing, but apparently it was only in theaters for one day before it got pulled because of this. So this, wow. this is so weird and it like now I'm just like, hold on. They have a line like that. This movie is a train wreck and I want to fucking watch it. <laughs> I'm so hyped for this movie now because of how bad it's going to be. Like, I was hyped for it anyways, because I think the trailers look kind of cool. I think the monsters look really badass. I'm not interested in the plot at all, but you don't have to be. There's just... It's it's a fucking kaiju movie, right? Who cares? It, I just want to see guys fight monsters. Uh <laughs> Hyperlight Drifter is now available in a physical edition for Nintendo Switch. Have you played that one, Chris?
1: Uh, that's one that always looked interesting, but... I never, I haven't played it myself.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, one of a handful of games that they just added this week, uh, on limited run games. I get their emails and I, I'm always checking through them for stuff. And, and this is one that I keep hearing nothing but good things about. So I'm kind of excited, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, Christmas finances and all that. So it's like, probably not going to pull the trigger on this one, but it's been one that's been kind of on my radar for a little while. So, Maybe I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll get the digital edition. Maybe, you know, this month or next month. Hopefully, you know, maybe. I'm. I i do not know. I'm. I'm already like, I'm still eyeing Cyberpunk myself because, like, everybody says so many good things about CD Projekt Red as a company, anyways, and uh, all that. So, so, I, so I,
1: I will point out, I did learn some things about CD Projekt Red that paint in in a less good light. Yeah. It's like, in comparison to other AAA companies, it looks like an angel, but it's still, it still has some pretty terrible practices.
0: Yeah, and that can kind of be said about the industry at large, which isn't really an excuse. But at the yeah. same time, I do understand that there is controversy there. But I also understand that the controversy is not going to make them go bankrupt anytime soon. I, so, what
1: like, I will say... Genital customization? Very much oversold.
0: Is it? Yes. It's not as cool as you would have thought?
1: It's... You get your choice of either one of two dicks, one mm. vagina, or one nothing. One or two but dicks? You, you can get one of two one different kinds of, kind of
0: dicks, dicks. Not one or two dicks. You can, yeah, there can't be a, it's,
1: it's very, it's uh, it was, it was uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was a CD Projekt Red's fault for selling it that way, or if that was just uh, a game <laughs> journalism problem or what, but uh, I'm very disappointed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, all I remember was that in the uh, ESRB rating that came out a while ago, it had something about that, and it was just like, oh, genital customization, what even does that mean? <laughs> So, yeah. Anyways, Hyperlight Drifter, that sounds cool. Uh Halo Infinite got delayed again sort of. Well, it, they really didn't give us a window after they delayed it. They just said next year, and now we have a new window set for fall 2021 Halo Infinite is coming out. So, that's kind of interesting that at least we have a window, but it's that's a long way to push it off, considering it was supposed to be a launch title for a console that came out last month. Right? It's like a 9-10 month delay for a launch game. You would have thought they would have been closer for a game that was planned to be at launch. So Yeah. It makes me weary of, or leery of, uh, what exactly might be going wrong. Behind the scenes, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because I thought the trailers they've shown so far look cool. I'm a big Halo fan, and I want this, and I want it to be good. So I'm all for pushing it back, but it's it's just like, what the fuck went wrong to require that much of a delay for something that like a lot of people are arguing needed to be there at launch for them to buy an Xbox, like. I feel like Xbox sales is good as they have been because they're selling out all the time, but that's partially just new tech launch. I feel like they would be even better selling if Halo was there, you know? So yeah, who
1: do they think they are? Nintendo? Right.
0: <laughs> at least Nintendo launched with one game. Yeah. You know. That, actually, Switch had a couple of, of decent games at launch. Not a ton, and obviously nothing else was nearly the caliber of Breath of the Wild. You know, Breath of the Wild was the game that you got when you got a Switch at launch. Uh, if not, you waited a month and you got Mario Kart, right? Uh, yeah. But, but there was a couple of other kind of cool games right at launch. Uh, I really liked uh, Super Bomberman R. was actually a really good Switch launch game. Because um, I wanted some kind of crazy multiplayer thing with the Switch especially since I knew a couple other guys that got Switches. So I was like, hey, you guys got two Joy-Cons, bring them over, and we got ourselves a party. And, you know, uh, Super Bomberman R was the first game you could get with eight-player local multiplayer. So you can just tie eight Joy-Cons to, or, or link eight Joy-Cons to your Switch and play eight-player Bomberman. It was fucking awesome. I was like, it, you know, they didn't change anything from the core Bomberman formula, but it's Bomberman. Who the hell cares? <laughs> right? Actually, the story mode was pretty fun. It had like these cool big ass bosses and stuff. I like that. But, uh, you know, as I, it w- one of the things that sold me on Switch was the fact that you can just bring a multiplayer thing anywhere. And Super Bomberman R was the big multiplayer game at launch. Obviously, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe came out and kind of overshadowed it instantly, but during that month before Mario Kart released, Super Bomberman was really, really fun, and even to this day, I think it's still a good party game, you know, at least on par with Mario Kart, because you can get anybody who's a gamer or not a gamer or whatever and just have a blast with that game, you know, just explain the controls real quick, you move with this stick, you push the button, and bombs happen. That's the game, you know. Anybody can get into this game really easy, it's awesome. Alright, let's go to our last-ish piece of news and booze, which is going to be a shitload of news and booze, because the Game Awards happened, so we're gonna go over that. Not every little thing, but quite a lot, because I feel like there was actually quite a lot of cool... Uh, announcements, and as well as some of the awards we'll talk about. Not every award, but uh, I the I, I basically like trimmed out a list, and these are my highlights. There's lots of other announcements, so if you want every announcement, go like look up. There's a really good article on Kotaku about uh just just breaks down every little thing that happened at the Game Awards. Uh, check out that kind of thing if you really want that, or you can just go on the you know their YouTube at the Game Awards and and watch the whole thing again if you want to so um
1: if you want to for some reason
0: right um mostly i trimmed out like a bunch of the littler announcements and some of the indie games uh not that i don't think they deserve recognition but just like none of them really stood out to me so i i didn't put any indie games in here or any littler games unless it basically I, i just I'm trying to save time so I, I got the big announcements out of the way. So, so there's lots and lots of indie game announcements if you're into that then again just just look it up somewhere else. We're not a news place where uh, we talk about some of the interesting news place and then we drink yeah. beer.
1: Yeah, if you want if you want like the full story, we are the wrong place to get the full yeah. story.
0: If you want news, actually there's a really cool YouTube channel that just started. It's called Good Vibes Gaming. Um has uh, some of the crew from the old uh, game explain channel, um, and uh, they they do like a three times a week news show, which is really really cool. They call it today's news tonight. It's really fun. So check them out. And if anybody from Good Vibes Gaming is watching this, then then I plugged you. So so retweet me or something. I'm sure they're not. We have two people. No, we have one person watching currently. So hi, one person and two playbacks. So I don't know what that means. How do you play back something before it's actually been posted?
1: You, you can go back in time on the stream and watch some stuff before it happened.
0: Oh, maybe that's it. Okay. Well, anyways, yeah. we're glad to hear... <laughs> we're glad to have you here. I, I just stumbled over my own words. I have to drink. So anyways, right at the start of the pre-show, um, Devolver Digital gave the first award... They gave the Devolver Game of the Year Award. I thought this was a hilarious little sketch in the pre-show. And um, they awarded it to Loop Hero, which was announced when it won the award. Because this was a previously unannounced Devolver Digital Game. And it it, it comes out next year. Doesn't that just sound like Devolver Digital to do some shit like this? That
1: is absolutely what Devolver Digital would do in any given yeah, situation.
0: I wasn't paying that close attention, so I don't really know what Loop Hero is, but it, the trailer looked kind of neat, so uh, go check out the trailer. Anyways, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, Among Us won the Best Multiplayer and Best Mobile Game, and what do you think about this, Chris? This is a game from 2018 that just won two 2020 Game Awards.
1: Uh, I would be annoyed with that if it weren't for the fact that uh, I'm going to do the same thing in my game awards.
0: <laughs> nice. You're going to put in 2018 games? Uh, in my games? own personal game
1: awards. Right. Uh,
0: That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't But know. I'm I, also I, like... Go ahead. I'm also like,
1: game awards don't... they're not... I, I don't get them. I feel the same way I about them that I think some people feel about the Oscars.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, not not my scene. Mm-hmm. My I don't thing. know. I just like watching the Oscars and Game Awards and, and really just any kind of award show. I, I just like you know, watching it, and, you like, rooting for my favorites, and then when something gets snubbed, I like complaining on the internet and all that stuff, so I I really get into these kinds of award shows. I didn't watch the whole thing this time because of a reason we'll get into later, because of a surprise at the end, which was actually at the start of the Game Awards, but I saved it till the end because I thought it was the biggest announcement of the Game Awards. Anyways, uh, so the fact that it's a 2018 game kind of irks me a little bit, uh... But not that much because I really didn't have a stake in either of these categories because I didn't play most of the multiplayer games that were nominated and I didn't play any of the mobile games that were nominated because I barely ever play mobile games at all. Like, the mobile game that I played this year was Pokemon Go. I'll say it that way. (laughs) I think that's the only mobile game I've really touched in Two or three years that's fair that's um that's, uh, and yeah guess. the other multiplayer things that were there the other big one was animal crossing and the multiplayer in animal crossing is actually legitimately awful it is so bad i'm like the game had enough impact that it got nominated But its actual multiplayer experience is so bad. Like, I've barely played Animal Crossing myself. I've watched my wife play it mostly, and I haven't done any of the online, but I've watched her. And, like, whenever any player gets to the island or leaves the island, you have an unskippable, like, two- or three-minute loading cutscene thing that you have to watch while the other player comes in or goes out and it's like it's just another player connecting or disconnecting from the server right whoever's server island it happens to be it should not take that long first of all and it should not pause every player from doing anything for the entirety of the time that it is loading that it's it's such a bad experience that i don't know why with it but i'm also just not an animal crossing guy it's not my game so if it's your game and maybe that's just worth it to these people i guess because it's so fucking popular then sure it's not my thing but if you're happy with it then more power to you you weirdo
1: i think there's just a different attitude that goes into the animal crossing people yeah that goes into how they feel about things right
0: it could also Uh, feel normal to them because Animal Crossing also brought in a lot of non-standard gamers and non-gamers into the scene of gaming. So for a fair amount of these people, this might be like the only online experience they've ever had in a video game, you know? So they don't know any better, maybe. And maybe that's not a fair assessment of all of them, I'm certain. But to some extent, I feel like maybe partly that's
1: true. I'm sure that's absolutely the case to some extent.
0: Yeah. Uh, ARK is getting an animated series. It features the uh, actually a really cool voice cast, including Vin Diesel, David Tennant, and Russell Crowe. What? Also, That's... ARK 2 is coming out, and the main character that you play as is actually Vin Diesel. As, as an, an ARK player... Survival? What As, is your take?
1: Uh, I th- am interested to see how the animated series turns out. That is some high-quality talent there.
0: Yeah. Uh, like, I will get behind anything I, if it's I, got... I, the animated games.
1: series like may be more... Well. Kn- knowing, like, the premise of the game. Mm-hmm. And having played... Put in, like, a couple hundred hours to the game, I would say. Uh, I'm tempted to say that the animated series might be more fun than the game if they do it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm uh looking forward to it. Sounds like sounds like an absolutely ridiculous time.
0: Yeah, that's another game that I've always kind of meant to get into, but haven't quite yet. Um, it's been in my Game Pass like list of things to get to. I actually downloaded it once, and then I found something else that I was like, oh, no, I need to play that now. So I uninstalled it. Uh, (laughs) and I don't even remember what it was anymore. But, but also ARC was, like, this game that I kind of wanted to, like, get together with you and Josh or somebody that actually plays it and play for a little while. And I knew we probably wouldn't get to it for a little bit. And, and apparently I was right, because we haven't. But, uh, (laughs) You know and it it's a pretty big game, it's like 60 80 gigs or something, isn't it? It's, it's a
1: yeah, it's a big game and yeah. it's very performance
0: intensive.
1: <laughs> I found that when I was playing it on my previous computer, uh, I had to turn the graphics down to a setting so that it looked like Play Doh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with play-doh but uh
0: i mean on my old setup that's how i had to run hellblade in order to run it uh so i'm very happy that i got my new graphics card and my new ssd they they're they're doing me good
1: yeah i'll have to do some online gaming with you at one of these days.
0: Yeah, I got Dead by Daylight too, so we uh, we should uh, we should play that one of these days. Anywho. Oh guess, yeah, we,
1: we could stream that
0: one of these days. Yeah, that would be cool. Maybe we'll just get online and just do a fucking Dead by Daylight double stream or something. That'll be cool. Yeah. Um. Actually, I could set it up here so that we could have our faces in the middle and like my stream on one side and your stream on the other. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, I'd be. I would.
1: be yeah, for I mean, that.
0: my face and your avatar, which is. Some other kind of thing from last time, I think. What is that, a fucking...
1: Uh, so that would be uh, my most powerful D&D character that I'm still currently playing. Nice. Who is Cleaver. Uh, Cleaver is currently a human being. Uh-huh. Cleaver was briefly a beaver person because Cleaver loves mutations. Cleaver he was had... was beaver. ...mutated himself into a beaver person entirely on accident, but he ended up being... Yeah, he ended up being a beaver with a cleaver.
0: That is amazing. A Perfect Dark reboot is happening. There's apparently a trailer. I didn't actually watch the trailer yet, but uh, I liked one of the Perfect Dark games that actually nobody else likes because everybody likes the original N64 Perfect Dark, who's like of that generation. And then I played Perfect Dark Zero, which I think was on original Xbox. might have been 360. Uh, but it was like everybody, apparently it was different somehow. And, and the, the original perfect dark crowd really hates it. But I was like, actually, I thought it was really fun because me and my brothers used to play that game. Cause it was a multiplayer shooter at the, about the same time as Halo. I, I think it was about the same time as Halo one and two. So it, maybe it was original Xbox, but, um, it, the big key difference that set it apart from halo was that it had uh in the multiplayer modes you could add in ai bots to fight against so you could have like uh you know in original halo there was no ai in the multiplayer modes so if you wanted to have four player multiplayer on one system then you you could have your four player split screen but y'all had to be against each other or 2v2 or something And in Perfect Dark, it was really cool. In Perfect Dark Zero, I should say, it was really cool because you could play four players against another team of AI. So that was really fun. Uh, We had a ton of good times with that. Um, You ever play any Perfect Darks?
1: Uh, No. um, It's always been kind of one of those games I've looked on the outside at and been saying,
0: huh, I wonder what that's like. You don't play a lot of shooters, though, anyways, do you? Uh, I've been playing a lot of pub G as a late but uh I think you were true. talking about that last couple of weeks or something weren't you yeah now that, it, now that you mentioned it but uh yeah so that's kind of interesting at the very least uh, I don't know if it's gonna be anything like the original uh you know there's a there's a lot of like retro crowd people that are really hyped for it though because there, there's a certain like it's it's almost a cult classic where a lot of people from a particular demographic are like we played this in the N64 days and now like going back, we can't play golden eye, but we can play this. And it's like, now that's kind of some pedigree there, you know, even if it's kind of a, a niche that is in that mindset, it's still kind of cool to see. So I'm happy to see that ghost of Tsushima wins the award for best art direction. So this is kind of cool. um If I had my pick, I would have picked Final Fantasy 7 remake. But I also haven't played Ghost of Tsushima yet, so I am. I would really like to do that. And and the one thing I will say is that like, I have seen a shitload of screenshots of this game because like right when it came out, everybody was you know putting it on the PS4 share and the photo mode and all that, and it looks fucking good on like screenshots on my phone so i'm not that mad that final fantasy 7 didn't win um and it it almost makes me want to go out and get this game even more because this is a game that's really on my radar anyways because i'm just like dude i want to be a badass samurai guy and everybody says well i i have yet to hear a single complaint about that game so i'm sure wow. they're out there but i i don't think i've heard one no complaints. Not that I've heard. I don't know. Yeah. So uh what was your uh did did, did you didn't play probably any of the nominees, I'm guessing. I don't remember I, what else was uh, nominated. Like when I, they announced I them it. I was like, it's it's gonna be Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Two, or Final Fantasy Seven. I, really. I will you say knows, right?
1: I will say that I did play uh among us. Oh yeah, I, and uh, that—that's a game I've had.
0: I don't think they were nominated for art direction. <laughs> no, they were not nominated. Meaning to play Among Us as well. It's
1: a—it's a, nice a fun social game, right? Uh, it absolutely should not be on this year's Game Awards list, yeah. even though it got popular this year.
0: Right. It's—it's yeah. um, it's weird. Is that... <laughs> but just kind of a strange situation. Yeah. Disco Elysium, the final cut, is coming out in March. Uh, we'll add free upgrades to the new version for existing owners. So if you already own Disco Elysium, you get all this new content for free. Um, Hell yes. Yeah, so that's a really cool thing that they're basically making, like, it could just be DLC or an additional version. I, a lot of companies would do that. But the people that are like, "Not, nah, you already bought our game. You get the best version you know, we're just gonna give you a free upgrade. I think that's super awesome of uh, whoever the fuck makes Disco Elysium. Who, who makes? Uh, I'm
1: trying to remember the company name. Yeah, I I, it, I think it's it. the only game they've come out with, and it was <laughs> right. like a huge. I, I I've actually got a lot to say about Disco Elysium, but
0: yeah. But uh, apparently, it adds new quests and voice acting for every character. So holy shit. That sounds cool. They added
1: voice acting for every character and new... Okay, well, uh, I guess my time with that game is not over yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what the Kotaku article said that I was talking about earlier. This this is where I got most of my rundowns and I was like, trim this, trim that. So, um, yeah. So, that's what they said. Uh, New quests and voice acting for every character. Sounds cool. Um, I'm all about this kind of game getting voice acting. Uh, Little... You know, indies and stuff don't always have the budget to make a lot of voice acting happen. So I'm super happy to see that this kind of thing uh, ends up getting that. Uh, Ghosts and Goblin Resurrected is announced. It looks like a remake of the original, but I feel like most of the internet is unclear as to whether it's a remake or a new game.
1: Uh... Is this a re- Okay. Is this a remake of the game that made you play it twice?
0: don't know i never or
1: was that super ghosts and goblins
0: i don't know i've played both i think like ages ago and it's funny cuz they're always like on like nintendo collections like i have i think ghosts and goblins is on the nes classic and the switch online app and i think super ghosts and goblins is on the super nintendo classic and the super nintendo online app maybe just Maybe just the Super Nintendo Classic. It might be I don't remember. But anyways, it's like Ghosts and Goblins is always kind of this thing that's always there on these these collection kind of things, uh, and it's like always that game that I'm like, hey, yeah, I remember playing that, and then I don't play it again because I'm playing Zelda instead.
1: Uh, I only played the game for a little bit, but I remember it being just absolutely brutally difficult. Hmm. Uh to the to the point that the game was almost not much fun.
0: Mhm. And that's coming from a guy who likes Zelda too. Yeah, that's coming me. Wow. Yeah. I don't remember it being that hard, but like I said, it's been a long time, so maybe I'll plug in my uh Nintendo Classic and and see one of these days. Once I get my setup fixed, because my stinking setup doesn't work right now. Cause anyways, maybe I'll stream that on the podcast one of these days. I'd like to actually stream some of those old Nintendo games on the podcast. That'd be fun. But, Anyways, I digressed and I digest. Digress. That's a beer digest. joke. Drink. You gotta... Hades wins Best Action Game and Best Indie Game. So this is actually kind of cool, because it won Best Action Game over several big contenders, including Doom Eternal.
1: You know what? Good for Hades. Um, I think, from everything I've heard, Hades is one of those games that really kind of deserves its accolades.
0: Yeah, um, that's another game I don't think I've heard a complaint yet for. Uh... I think everything I've heard is unanimously positive about this game. So it's, that's another one that's on my radar that I'm just like, I really kind of want to check this out. I'm, you know, like passively into the Greek mythology thing anyway. So I'm like, this is sort of in my wheelhouse. I might've checked this out even if it wasn't so popular. Um, But uh, yeah, um, like best Indie. Like, you knew it was going to win anyway, because the way the Game Awards works is they always have one of the indie games in their, you know, they have five or six indie games in the best indie category, and then one of those is always in the game of the year category as well, just for posterity. Not that they're ever going to give it to an indie game, probably. They might eventually, I don't know. But they probably won't give it to the indie game, but... You always know that, like, that's the one in the Game of the Year category. That's the one that's going to win the Indie category, right? So this was not a big surprise for the Indie category. But the action game, you know, among—I mean, just over Doom Eternal is is kind of a big deal, I think. Because Doom Eternal is one that I have a handful of complaints about myself. That's one I have played. It's not bad, but, you know, there's just a couple of things that I'm just like— yeah, that could have been done better, and uh, but je- I feel like I'm in the minority that has any complaints about it. Most of the people I talk to are just super positive on this game. I know several people that were like actually actively rooting for it for Game of the Year, which it was also nominated for. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, yeah, so this is super cool that Hades managed to even win Best Action Game just as an indie. You know, cause it's not every day that an indie wins something in the game awards outside of, uh, real, the games for impact category sometimes goes to an indie and, uh, obviously the indie category goes to an indie because that's how that works. So to win a, a big award, like best action game, you know, this is like uh, when Cuphead won best art direction a few years ago, um. Uh, you know, it's, they they it's only give really it to
1: indies game. when the indies not only are amazing games. It's when they so far outclass that to not give it to them would be an insult.
0: Yeah, so that's really cool. It's I think this if nothing else, even also just brings indies into the light as you know even more. I feel like indies are getting more and more popular now. There's I feel like there's more. Crowd around these just indie games in general that will just be like, This is an indie game, so I will buy it. And I think that's really, really awesome because it gives a lot of these developers, you know, legs to stand on. And a lot of these indie developers come up with things that AAA developers just would never do because it's not expected of a AAA developer. I feel like there's a lot more freedom in indie development just because they're not limited to that, you know, like... Kind of what you were saying about Cyberpunk, where it has to follow certain AAA rules, you know?
1: Yeah, and I'm like, that was one of the most disappointing things about Cyberpunk's game design to me.
0: Yeah, if they could have just done whatever they want, regardless of what the quote-unquote normal AAA game does then maybe that would have even been a better experience, you know. You know, and each game is obviously going to have a totally different development background. The director's going to be different, all that. But, you know, so it's... It is what it is. But, uh, so, super happy for Hades. I'm I'm definitely going to check that out, but I have no idea when. Because, like, the next game on my must-buy list is the uh, Fire Emblem and the Shadow Dragon. So... I'm like, and I've got plenty to play right now, because fuck Game Pass. You're so fucking good. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Game Pass, actually, good segue. Uh, Skyrim is coming to Game Pass December 15th, and Yakuza 3, 4, 5, and 6 are all coming soon to Game Pass. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that many Yakuza games. Yakuza is a game that, uh, a series that I've kind of looked at from the side for a while and been like, that looks kind of neat. And I'm kind of like, uh, with the newest game, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, um, which is, I'll, some people are just calling Yakuza 7. I'm like, that game looks cool, but is this really a good place to jump in? So now there's a lot more places to jump in, and they're just going to be on Game Pass. So. I'm I'm definitely going to check out this series at some point when it when it drops and for Skyrim coming to Game Pass that's not something that I will personally take advantage of because I still got uh, Skyrim for uh, my uh, Xbox 360 here which I which I can't yeah I unplugged something I heard You unplugged something? I did, yeah. I was like, oh shit, did I unplug my mic? Because I I heard my computer give the little sound that I unplugged something. It's okay, it was my Xbox controller.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Um, yeah. fortunately the stream is undisrupted.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I've, I've got Skyrim for my Xbox still, and I got Skyrim for Switch, so I'm not worried about it. But the fact that it's there is cool, and I feel like... People are gonna come on board Game Pass just to just for that, you know? It's big enough of a property that people are just gonna be like, I get Skyrim when I have an Xbox? Okay. Uh what do you feel about this? Yakuza three, four, five and six and Skyrim coming to be Game Pass.
1: Uh I, well I'm I'm so on the I don't do Game Pass train, but uh That's fair. I mean, I, I don't, I'm like, good for the people who can't, never played the Akugusa games, I would say. Yeah. you ever played there's any not, of those? No, I've never played any of those. <laughs> uh, what I would say is uh, there's not a person on this earth who has not played Skyrim.
0: That's probably true. <laughs> Speaking of Skyrim and, by association, Elder Scrolls, uh, Elder Scrolls Online is getting a new expansion pack, the Gates of Oblivion. So, apparently, you're going back to whatever the Oblivion continent was called. Uh, Cyrodiil? Maybe. I was going to say Tamriel, but I think that was Morrowind. No, Morrowind was Morrowind. What was Tamriel?
1: Tamriel is just the name of the continent, I thought.
0: Oh the, uh, the whole- well, we,
1: we 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 obviously don't know our Elder Scrolls lore. Right, yeah. Some some fan is going to be screaming at us. Yes. I'm just kidding. No one, no 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 incredible Elder Scrolls fan is watching this. Right.
0: If our one concurrent viewer is a really big Elder Scrolls buff, please tell us what the fuck we're doing wrong in the comments. Uh, yeah. Or just tell us to drink. If if you comment that we have to drink, then we have to drink. That's part of the game, probably. I'm not sure. Unless it's against uh, YouTube's terms of service. In in which case, I'm just drinking because I like to drink. Yeah. Which is fair. I was going to drink this no matter what the fuck the comments do. I'm going to drink the rest of this beer. I'm almost out of beer. So I might have to have Chris, like, bullshit for a few minutes just to get me through the trip to the fridge. Um, So that's kind of cool. I'm still not getting into Elder Scrolls Online, probably. Unless the subscription like rolls itself in with the game pass subscription then i might check it out which game pass subscribers right now are offered like a month free trial or something so i've been thinking about it because it sounds like it's a lot better than it was when it launched because i remember when it launched nobody liked it everybody was really really hard on it but it sounds like it's had a lot of quality of life updates and with the new expansions it's Changed a lot, and it's it sounds like it's a better game, so I am hopeful for it. But I also just like don't have time for a fucking MMO. Just, just...
1: yeah, I'm. These lifestyle games are not a thing.
0: Yeah, uh, near replicant got a new trailer and a release date of April twenty third. So this is a remake of one of the PS three near games i'm not sure which one because i think there was like two near games and i think one of them was called near replicant in japan or something is what i was reading but i it was very unclear which one anyways near replicant is the new near game it's a prequel to near automata for all that that matters which is what i'm gonna care about because i'm playing near automata right now uh and it's coming out april 23rd so that's pretty cool so i know you know uh i'm hoping that this comes to game pass too because you know i'm playing automata on game pass and then i wouldn't have although automata if it keeps up as well as it has been going through the whole game i will totally buy this day one because automata has been so fucking cool um did you play any of the nier games on PS3?
1: I never did. Uh I I never knew what to think of them. They always I they always existed in kind of a space that I didn't approach.
0: Yeah. I I kind of get what you're saying cuz with Automata I heard a lot about it, but nobody ever really said what it was. So I'm like, is it an RPG? It's from Square, right? So it's an RPG, but it's also from Platinum Games. So it's an action game? So what's going on here? And now I'm playing it, I'm like, I don't know how to describe it either. It's five games, just like styles, just smashed into one, and it works for no reason. It's amazing. So I kind of get why people haven't really described it. But uh, yeah, so... I'm hyped for that uh, if if automata continues being as cool as it was so.
1: it, it's one of, it's one of the it's one of those Japanese auteur games that is kind of my understanding and that it's kind of a its own unique thing
0: mm-hmm. which
1: in theory is something I would really enjoy uh, but I just haven't played
0: them-hmm yeah. Uh, Elden Ring wins most anticipated game. So I was a little surprised because Breath of the Wild won most anticipated game for like four years in a row, I think, at the Game Awards previously. And then Breath of the Wild sequel won last year, and I was expecting it to do it again this year, but apparently Elden Ring is the most anticipated. Uh, this one, this category, I think, has more fan input than most, so. I think that's kind of interesting that Elden Ring is, is so. Uh, so, what the hell is Elden Ring? It is a new From Software game. So, it's like a ah. Dark Souls game. Uh, and it's the world and uh, writing is assisted by George R.R. R. Martin, who you may know as the author of the Game of Thrones series. So, it's Song kind of I this learned. combo of Game of Thrones and Dark Souls, sort of. The. I think there's one cinematic trailer out there so far, and it looks really, really cool. Um, I don't personally have any huge attachment to Dark Souls or Game of Thrones, so I'm like, the game looks cool, I might get it, but it's for me, it's like it's not even close to Breath of the Wild too. I'm just like, I I'm reporting on this because I think it was interesting that it wasn't Breath of the Wild too. Basically, uh, what's your most anticipated game, Chris?
1: My most anticipated game? Oh, ah, yeah. oh, shit. That is a that is a good question. Uh, mm. Video game, you mean? Yeah.
0: For the upcoming... Uh, probably still... Hey, our buddy 60 Six says, take a drink. So, uh, I'll drink to you, Chips. Good to see you. He was on a yeah, podcast you, uh, a few months ago. I don't remember when. So, uh, yeah. Cheers to you, buddy. A little over a year ago now, I think yeah. actually. Check out his YouTube channel. Uh, look up Chips and Sticks. Uh, he's a he's a fun guy. He does unboxing and tips and tricks and different stuff like that. Fun dude. Uh, yeah. All right. Final Fantasy VII remake won best score and music, as well as the best RPG category. So I'm not really surprised there. Um, I was a little salty it didn't win game of the year because it's kind of my game. Of the, I mean. Uh, I'm leaving a surprise open for the end of our video game discussion. Shh. Oops.
1: (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) I don't think it was a secret. I think think you, you do have to drink
0: after that. Okay, I'll drink to that. (laughs) that. I'll drink to drinking to that. Chip says he's uh, glad to see us again, and he'll call out of work sometime to be on the podcast again. That'll be awesome. We'd love to have you, buddy. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll let you know.
1: Love to have you back on.
0: <clears throat> yeah, uh, Back for Blood was announced. It's a Left for Dead co op. It, it's not a Left for Dead. It's a Left for Dead ish. So it's it's kind of like a spiritual successor made by a different developer. It's this co op zombie shooter uh, four players versus the. Uh, bad guys zombies and shit so that looks kind of neat um i didn't i looked at a few screenshots i didn't watch the trailer yet um so uh did you play any left for dead chris uh
1: left for i played a lot of left for dead and a lot of left for dead too
0: yeah i played both of those too so i'm kind of this this might be really cool
1: the biggest news to me here is uh valve is still making games holy shit
0: it's not Valve. This is from a different company. Uh ah. so it's not actually related to Left for Dead, but it's it's definitely in the same vein. It feels like uh like those guys that made a like a not Road Rash, but it's totally Road Rash game. Or or like how Sea of Stars is uh Inferno like, Trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 something like that. Uh, so actually, Sea of Stars is a really good game to say that we're extra hyped for because I'm a backer of that too. So that
1: I'm that, super that was that. a game, that was my most anticipated game. That yeah. was the game I was really looking forward yeah.
0: to. I keep getting the uh, uh, Kickstarter emails and stuff from them, and and they keep every now and then they'll post like a, a song or something from the music track, and it's the music is all really cool so far. I got I actually got one of those as my ringtone right now as their like jungle area theme. It's so cool. I love it. Daryl Dixon and Michonne from The Walking Dead, as well as Master Chief from Halo, are being added to Fortnite. Also, you can play Fortnite on Blood Gulch now. It's going to be added as a stage to Fortnite. And this was revealed by Griff and Sarge from Red vs. Blue. So maybe Red vs. Blue is coming to Fortnite too?
1: Uh... What do you make
0: of that shit?
1: Like, I get you'd have to make a deal with Microsoft, like, right? because and Sarge have the Halo character models.
0: Yeah, uh, they have the. Uh, I mean, they've obviously officially licensed the Master Chief model. Is going to be a skin that you can buy in Fortnite now. Yeah. So, yeah, that's totally that's totally a thing. Um, so. I'm still not going to play Fortnite because it was fine but I'm not itching to play. It's not really my style of game. I'm not big into super competitive shooters. And if I was going to play an online shooter featuring Master Chief, it would be Halo because I fucking love Halo. <laughs> so Halo is kind of your jam. Yeah, it is. So that's awesome. But uh, I still think it's it's kind of cool that like obviously Fortnite is a huge huge game tons of fans of that and it's pretty much been proven like once you put a property in Fortnite like it's stock goes through the roof almost you know it's it's like overnight people are suddenly looking up this stuff on Google so I feel like this is really gonna bring a lot of attention to Halo and maybe a lot of attention to Red versus Blue which I haven't paid any attention to in a long time.
1: I mean, Rooster Teeth is still around, so.
0: Yeah, they are. They're doing different things. Actually, a few years ago, I went on a road trip to go see Rooster Teeth live, and then we had a a hilarious series of misadventures. And uh, my car broke down, and, and we got there late. We, actually, we got there late first, and then my car broke down on the way home. So we didn't even get to see the thing, and then my car broke down, and we had to sleep in the car on in a snowstorm. <laughs> There was all sorts of shit that happened. I got a speeding ticket in Texas. (laughs) Everything that went wrong. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I accidentally went to Mexico.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's where that story comes from.
0: Yes. (laughs) Don't you remember that time I went to Mexico accidentally? It was hilarious because I had no idea. Because I'm just like driving south on the highway and suddenly it turns east and there's a giant-ass sign that says you are now entering the United States. I'm like, what the fuck? How did I leave? How come there's no border patrol point out? Are we a bunch of racists or something?
1: Uh, I mean... Want an answer to that question? No,
0: (laughs) let's not get into the politics. The new Mass Effect is happening. The trailer was not very descriptive, but it looks like Mass Effect. Uh, Mass Effect is a funny game that uh, I, uh, I played one time for 30 minutes or an hour or something. I really, really digged it. And then I played something else the next time I picked up my Xbox and I never touched it again.
1: Uh, I've had that experience with bioware RPGs before
0: mm-hmm. so yeah I'm uh, i I'm interested the bioware or the uh, mass effect trilogy is also coming out next year I think the original three remastered so that'll be kind of cool maybe I'll get into it then and see if mass effect 4 is uh is all that cool too all right so uh, go ahead
1: I do remember mass effect andromeda is heavily panned Mm
0: -hmm. yeah um so last of us part two won everything else basically so it swept best direction best action adventure game best performance by Laura Bailey as Abby. Also, the voice actress whose name is slipping my mind for uh, Ellie was also nominated, so they actually got two nominations for Best Performance in a uh, voice acting role. But uh, Laura Bailey as Abby won that award for Last of Us Part II. Uh, It won Best Narrative, won Best Audio Design, and won the new Innovation in Accessibility category for the game awards and finally was announced as 2020's game awards game of the year so uh after you know six or seven other award what, what was that best direction action adventure best performance narrative audio design innovation accessibility so yeah after six awards that game of the year as the seventh was not a big surprise i was kind of calling this in the first place i'm like it, um, it, it was kind of obvious. I feel like, personally, for me, it just felt like, yeah, they're just going to give it to Last of Us 2, aren't they? Not that I think Last of Us 2 is like there was anything wrong with it. I thought it was a good game, and I think it's the kind of game that critics really like. So I'm not surprised that critics gave it a shitload of awards and it won Game of the Year. Um, now, one thing that I've heard, I want to hear your take on this, because uh, a lot of people have been saying that it's the Oscar bait of video games. Uh, what do you think about that?
1: I remember the game was... There was some controversy associated with it. I, I At the moment, I can't remember for the life of me what it was.
0: There's a few different things with it. Uh, there's First of all, there's moments in it where like you're trying to evade dogs that the, like the bad guys have dogs that can sniff you out and you have to evade them. And at some points, like it, it becomes necessary to kill the dogs. So the animal violence was one of the things, um, one of the, the main character, uh, Abby is a very muscular woman. For some reason, people were butt hurt by that. For some reason, a lot of people just didn't like the direction the story went in And uh, also, there was one transgender character. So that's pretty much all of the controversies that were there. And I I feel like none of them made any fucking sense. Why do people get up in arms about? Why 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 do they
1: care? I don't fucking know. Who who cares?
0: Whatever, man. It it was a video game.
1: Why do people get upset about this?
0: Right. Why you have to be mad? Like, personally, for me, it was like, uh, yeah, it wasn't as good as Last of Us 1, but it was a good game. The story was cool. Uh, The characters were cool. And really, it wasn't even so much about the story. As uh, One of the things I talked about on a previous podcast episode is how I feel like Last of Us 1 and 2 are not story-driven games like people say they are. They're character-driven games. And what that means to me in my kind of personal definition Oh, sphere inside this here noggin is um, like a story-driven game is like the story has meaning and and there's maybe some sort of symbology in it or what the characters do has like a a big
1: th- like, effect a theme,
0: step. like a theme and, on and the there's game. themes yeah stuff like that so but in the character-driven game it's more about those like moment-to-moment things that are happening within the characters lives in this fictitious world and that's really what drives home the both of these games last of us part 1 and 2 for me is that these the characters make the game more than anything else like the gameplay was almost identical to last of us 1 so why would you even bother talking about that right you're not going to talk about that you're going to talk about you know all of these little moments like, you know, Abby helping out Lev when stuff went wrong for him and stuff like that, you know, not to give away too many spoilers or whatever, but yeah. Uh,
1: I do remember one of the complaints I heard that wasn't about a controversy and it's coming back to me now is that someone said, I don't like these characters. I don't care what happens to any of these people. So I'm not able to engage with the game.
0: That's a fair criticism, but it's a subjective one.
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, Well, I'm
0: like, all criticism
1: is subjective. It's just a matter of who you can get to agree with you. Right. Much.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. So we are down to our last announcement for the Game Awards, at least as far as our thing goes, because actually... That was one of the last announcements. That was their biggest announcement. But in my opinion, the biggest announcement of the night actually happened like 20 minutes, not even that long in. Like right after the pre-show ended, they fucking announced Sephiroth is coming to goddamn Super Smash Brothers. Like at that moment, I was just so fucking lit i was over the moon i am like of all of the characters that they could have added to smash brothers ultimate i never would have guessed sephiroth and the the reveal trailer was so fucking good i don't know if you saw it chris did you
1: i i have not seen the reveal trailer i have seen
0: the memes <laughs> right yeah so I,
1: i'm a big fan of the memes
0: yeah <laughs> poor mario <laughs> but uh it's always yeah, him and so, Luigi. Right? Yeah, Luigi died in Simon's trailer. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so the the reveal trailer starts out. It's like got all the Super Smash Brothers guys, and they're all fighting Galeem, who's the bad guy of the uh, Spirits mode, the uh, World of Light mode. And like, they're all like, oh, what's going to happen next? And suddenly, Galeem is just like, just like does the whole shift in half thing and break apart thing. And then it just. Is like there's this just this black little spot there and the fucking one wing and angel theme starts playing. You're like, oh my shit, it's fucking Sephiroth. No fucking way. It's, oh my God, there is no way I could not be hyped for that. Like I was tearing up. I did not even expect this, that I would be that hyped about Sephiroth. But I had like... Like Even if somebody had suggested to me that Sephiroth would be the character, I'd be like, no, they already have one Final Fantasy VII character. No way they're getting Sephiroth, right? But what the fuck? Out of nowhere, out of... It's just insanity. I could not imagine... I, I was thinking about this too. I don't think there's another villain that you could put in... Super Smash Brothers that would have a more iconic presence than Sephiroth. That is not already there. Like the only maybes would be Ganondorf and Bowser, right? They're already there. They're like two of the top tier iconic
1: I mean, game there's, villains. There's there's Kefka. I got I gotta stand up for Kefka as an iconic villain, but
0: yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty I mean, happy to see Sephiroth in there. I feel like he's not as mainstream as Sephiroth, right? That's true. Not that's true. not to downplay him. He's a fun villain. I liked Final Fantasy VI pretty well, but Seven is li- like Seven is the most iconic Final Fantasy game by far, in my opinion. Like, I'm I'm not even sure anybody would argue that, right? Would Would you argue that? <laughs>
1: It's, it's definitely the most full yeah. I would
0: say. So. so, like, for impact of a villain being added, like, the only other one that might even come close is, like, I heard some people saying, well, what if they put in Dr. Robotnik or something? Dr. Robotnik might come close, but I feel like All the East. impact is also, like, doubled just because Square Enix is so fucking protective, and the fact that we already got a Square Enix representative from the Dragon Quest hero is like just I I had completely written off any other Square Enix rep for the rest of Super Smash Brothers ultimate, right? And then fucking Sephiroth gets announced and I am I am going fucking nuts. So Sephiroth is coming to Smash Brothers. More info is coming uh December 17th, there will be some sort of presentation. It'll probably be one of those Sakurai Presents trailers where he goes through the character moveset and all that. And uh, the character releases this fucking month, too. This month, we are going to have Sephiroth and Smash Brothers.
1: They are definitely doing their job there.
0: Yeah. And that is all of our Game Awards news. Whew. That was, a, that was a lot, and uh, and now I'm almost out of beer. So um, before we get into our video game topic, you mind talking about some random bullshit while I go to the fridge?
1: Yeah, uh, let's see. I, I don't know if anyone here has actually played Slay the Spire, but I've been a fan of this game for a while. I've been playing it and watching it get played. It's just kind of a nice thing to do. Uh, they're still updating this. I know they're planning to release a fifth character. I don't know who that's supposed to be. Uh, but because it's magic-based, they've kind of... It's not quite a the five colors of magic thing going on here. But that's what it's reminiscent of. Uh, is... The old... Uh, Magic the Gathering color wheel, color philosophy saying that kind of made the game as popular, kind of helped to make the game as popular as it was, at the very least. Uh, where the character, well, where it's like uh, the iron cl- clad has the power of strength and like heal- regenerating and like life gain, like life drain, and uh, he's kind of Red-black is where I would put them, whereas uh, the silent here is kind of poison-based and dexterity-based, so they're almost like a blue-green kind of character. Uh... Oh, Sean, you're back. I I don't have to do this
0: anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, I wonder how long he's going to keep yakking. (laughs) That's fine. All right, so uh, let's get into our uh, video game discussion directly after I tell you about this Finkel and Garf American Lager. Um, So Finkel and Garf is another Colorado brewery, I think. I've had some of their stuff before, so they're probably... Yeah, they're from Boulder. Okay. That was just up the hill from us a little bit. Um, Yeah, not that far away. Yeah. All right. And so our video game topic today is, um, about the awards for various categories. Uh, so Chris gives a warning that these are games he first played this year. They could potentially be from another year and that's kind of fair. Uh, so I'll, I might throw in some games like that too. Although I think, uh, I, I don't think, I, anyways, uh, so let's get into best gameplay. Why don't you start off with your best gameplay game of the year, Chris?
1: uh sure my best gameplay game of the year is a lot of these answers feel like cop-out answers to me so if you're disappointed in them i am too please understand but my best gameplay game of the year considering the kind of year it's been with us all being stuck indoors not able to see like friends uh has was actually tabletop simulator uh just because it let me kind of get that tabletop gameplay feeling with friends uh, with like basically infinitely many kinds of tabletop games uh, tabletop board games that I could just play and have fun with with people online uh, and because it has just that selection of games and has that social component and it has just so many board games available uh i was like that has to take it away for best gameplay in terms of just sheer variety of what you can do with it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah sounds kind of cool um i've had some fun with um clubhouse games which is a switch game that's uh in that same vein it's a lot of classic board games and stuff it's 51 different little board games or mini game kind of games um some of them are a little like Wii sports ish like there's a fishing one where you you like cast your rod and stuff so they're not all board game board games but it's it's still kind of along that same sort of game um that same sort of vein um so I can definitely see the attraction of uh, Tabletop Simulator. That sounds actually pretty sweet. Uh, you know, especially for this kind of kind of time where you can't just get together with your buddies and, and play an actual fucking game of chess, right?
1: Yeah. It's the uh, perfect uh, time to play board games when you can't actually meet in person to play board games.
0: Yeah. Perfect way I do it. So... Um... When you, when you said tabletop simulator, I was thinking like tabletop RPG kind of thing. Like we talk a lot of tabletops here, obviously. Um, but uh, so I, I was almost thinking like, is it like a and d simulator or something? Because I, I feel like in retrospect, I've heard of this, but I, I, I didn't recognize it right away. So I was having a funny mental conversation with myself for that for a second.
1: Well, you can certainly use it to play D and have, like, minis in front of you and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's not as much of its strength as just it having, like, mocked up board games that you can play.
0: Right. Not quite as good as Roll20 or whatever. Yeah, but Roll20,
1: I, I would say, if you want to play a game uh, that's suited for... If you want to use something that's suited for D and D, I would use something twenty instead.
0: Yeah, Uh that's fair. So my best gameplay is really a toss up. I think because I'm going to say the other game in a lot of different things, I'm going to go with uh, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity as my favorite gameplay of the year. But it it really is a toss up between the game I'll probably mention in the next three categories. So, um. Yeah, with Age of Calamity, it's like it's really—I feel like the perfect blend of, maybe not blend—the perfect culmination of all Warriors games, like evolving over the years. Um, the last Warriors game I played was bef- before this was uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, and before that was Hyrule Warriors Number One. And before that, I played a ton of Dynasty Warriors on the old original Xbox and 360, and I even played the DS uh, Dynasty Warriors. Um, so there's, you know, I've been with the series long enough to just kind of watch it like, kind of grow and evolve. I don't, I, ne- I never played like the original. I, I joined in on Dynasty Warriors Four on original Xbox, um, but really, uh, just kind of seeing the way that they've all kind of led to this point is, has been really an interesting trip. And I think it's really kind of streamlined a lot of things kind of cut out a lot of the bullshit. And at the same time, it also adds like the ability to use your rune powers from, um, breath of the wild. Like you can use your magnesis and your cryonis and depending on what enemy you're fighting, like, uh, they'll have different, uh, Attacks that you can counter with those runes, and it adds this like very small layer of strategy to the gameplay, which really changes it up in a way that, like, I didn't think Warriors ever really would. Because, really, Warriors is almost from the start just been a, a big ass button mash game, and there's nothing terribly wrong with that. You know, the formula works, and the games are okay, and they're kind of fun. But there's something about Age of Calamity that really sets it apart even more than the original Hyrule Warriors did. At, Cause like the original Hyrule Warriors, like everybody feels like a unique character and, you know, all the fan service is great. You get a bit of that here. It's not quite as fan service-y as the original Hyrule Warriors, but there's still definitely some like Zelda like fan service in there. And but in the way that they do that. Like, feels natural because of how, like, they get into the characters, and each character has their unique action that they can do. Um, and it's, it really feels like just a great, just it, it feels like every Dynasty Warriors game I've ever played has led up to this moment, and this is the absolute peak of the Musou series for me. Huh. And I, I don't know if it'll ever reach this high again. I'm like yeah. now I'm like well if the Persona 5 Muso game comes out next month maybe I'll check it out and see you know that's how hyped I am on this shit because I've never even played the original any of the original Persona games all well, that that's that's another series I always meant to get into
1: <laughs> that is a uh... Interesting that they're coming out with a Persona 5,
0: one of those. Yeah, I thought so. Um, And from what I hear, it's also kind of got more... It's not quite as Warriors-y. It feels like more of a combination of Warriors and um, Musou gameplay from people. Because it came in Japan like last year or something. So it's actually been quite a long time for it to get localized for some reason i'm not totally sure why it hasn't come west yet but it anyways it's been out for a while so people that can get the japanese version have been you know talking it up already uh so it it sounds like it's a little bit different but you know maybe it would be a good jumping in point to the persona series is what it almost sounds like so yeah <clears throat> Best video game story. What are you going to go with, Chris? Uh, Well,
1: I am forced to go with this game, and this is, the I think, the one game on the list that I felt truly confident about going with, uh-huh. and that is Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. And Disco Elysium, as a game with a storyline, is just flat-out incredible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a uh, it uh, you so it's a noir style story set in an alternate world that seems similar to ours but is different in very characteristic ways, and it introduces you as this uh, guy who's just waking up from a blackout a drunken knight to the point that he can't remember anything, including his own name, and you just have to piece together the world as you go along. And when you go to talk to people, uh, your topics of conversation aren't limited to, oh, what's this? What's this? It's not all just practical stuff. It also has a lot of very interesting character interaction. Like, when you go down to talk to the a uh, guy running the hotel you're staying at, mm-hmm. uh, he can, you can tell that he's pissed at you, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll you can try and figure out why. Uh, and all of your various, all of your skills are also elements of your personality, huh. and they all chime in at different times as you're having conversations and doing things. So, like, your empathy has a different personality than, like, your endurance, um, which has a separate personality from, like, your electrochemistry, which represents, like, your ability to get addicted to things, Mm -hmm. and your understanding of what drugs are like, Uh, and they all have very different personalities, so you're basically arguing with yourself at any given time.
0: Getting into that mindset kind of feels like, um, actually, that's a good segue. Uh, Before I segue real quick, um, I want to answer a question from the comments. We got David Nystrom, who was on here last week actually talking with us about Age of Calamity. Um, So check him out. Uh, Go to ZeldaDungeon.net and uh, check out their uh, Fan Fiction Fridays. He's one of the writers there. He's an awesome dude. Um, But he's asking me, uh, do you think that my attachment to... Zelda makes it more impactful, uh, going back to the, uh, um, uh, Age of Calamity thing, and I do think it makes it more impactful as a game, but as far as gameplay goes, the raw gameplay, take away the Zelda skin, uh, I still think without the Zelda, it is still the best gameplay that the Musou series has ever seen. Um... Down to jump kind of back to uh, what you were saying with Disco Elysium, kind of puts you in the mindset almost of a, a person in a situation that you would almost not be able to understand. And without actually being able to live it through a video game, right? Yeah. And,
1: and it's very effective at doing that. It introduces some concepts that will throw you for a loop when you think you've got to hold. on the world you're living in.
0: And oddly enough, that right there has sold me on this game. I'm going to go fucking buy this game now because you said that. Because I had a very, very impactful experience with my favorite story of the year, which uh, I was going to say something else, but since you brought that up, I actually changed my mind. So I'm going to say a game from a previous year, which I believe this game came out in 2017, uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, uh, which is one of the first games that I've ever played that is really just like like games in general kind of take me out of my own headspace, right? They that there are this escapism. It's it's I don't have to be in the world right now, right? But Hellblade is takes it to another level where it's like while you're playing this game, like I feel like I'm Senua. I feel like I'm in this different person's body, this different person's mind and state of mind. And she is not necessarily a well person. You know, one of the things that the developers actually were trying to get across is what it is like to have psychosis and to have these kind of, uh, delusional episodes and not know at the end of it, if Any of it was real, you know, cause like the entire game, like you're almost led to believe that you're on this crazy ass mystic quest, but then in the back of your mind, you're like, am I on this crazy ass mystic quest? Or is this, you know, some delusion of, you know, my inner mind making the world appear a different way because that's how psychosis works more or less is that th- your mind interprets things just totally differently. So it's it's such a surreal experience. And to go through this story, not just the fact that the story is good anyway, but the fact that you're experiencing this story from another person's, like, even... even further than another person's perspective like you are in the person's mind you were in the person's skin almost is how immersive this experience is with the with the sound design particularly is one of the things i played this game entirely with headphones and just like i had times when there's like voices in your head in the or or in your headphones really in you know in the sound design but when you play for a certain amount of time and you're just in this moment, it's like it's like the voices are in your head. And like, at first, it almost seems like a cheesy effect to put in where you're getting these things, you're getting like, oh, the voices are telling me this and that and they're disagreeing with me. Some of them are agreeing with me. Some of the voices are making fun of me. And then it gets to a certain point where like you're, it almost feels like the voices are in your head and it's like, you can't get them to go away and you almost don't want them to because it's part of the experience. Right. But at the same time, it's, it's just such a freaky like experience. It's, and, and I, I feel like if there is one game that proves that video games can be art and an education tool and, really a way to extend a story to be, to, to, to like, it's, it's a, it's such a hard thing to describe because it's like, without actually playing the game, I, I I don't really know what to say to make people understand exactly what impact this game had on me. It's, it's like, You know, I can't say anything other than I was Senua for eight or ten hours. You know, that is what I felt. You know, I felt every emotion that she felt in a way that no other game has ever delivered. And it's almost that same kind of thing, like you're saying, that like you get into that mindset and it's like now you can understand things that you wouldn't have understood because you could understand logistically things if they're explained to you, but you can't always understand a thing unless you experience it, and this gives you understanding through experience rather than understanding through rote memorization of facts.
1: I mean, I'm kind of sold on that game now.
0: Go fucking. No, I've heard
1: you. Exp- yeah. Yes, I've heard you explain
0: it. Yeah. So, there's our best story games, Disco Elysium and Senua's Sacrifice. Uh, Hellblade. Uh, best graphics! Bum, bum, bum. Uh
1: Oh, let's see. I am up. Uh, well, I didn't play all that much in the way of graphically intensive games this time around. I did play ARC, but ARC's graphics are merely like pretty in a way that you would expect. Mm-hmm. So my game is actually River City Girls because mm-hmm. the game has beautiful Sprite Work. Yeah, uh, uh, and
0: I, I think just a little bit of that in the intro segment there, but uh I, I like I'm bound to agree. I I really dig it so far.
1: And for me, things like beautiful Sprite work are ...almost more important than, uh... ...say, you know, just good... ...traditionally... ...good graphics.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... ...there's something to say about stylization... ...versus, uh... ...like... ...highly technical... ...graphics. Um... Because, like, obviously, everybody praises Breath of the Wild's graphics style, and it's, you know, running at 720p, you know, for most players. Most players are playing that in handheld mode. Um, but, you know, even even when you're not, it's only running at 900p on the Switch uh, on on your TV. So that's, you know, that's not even technically, quote-unquote, standard HD, you know. and And even now, moving into the 4K generation of video game consoles everybody still praises that. But my best graphics of the year, and I am going to go out and say best graphics of all time for me personally is Final Fantasy VII Remake because it kind of blurs that line of stylization and highly technical realism uh, in a way that really nothing else does that kind of makes you forget which one it is, right? Because like there's a lot of very technically photorealistic things in the game. Sp- specifically on the character artwork. You know, everybody looks like almost a real character, but, you know, Cloud still got that absurd spiky hair, and Barrett still got a fucking gun for his arm <laughs> and stuff like that. And so it's it's like this weird amalgamation of um like realism and Totally. And, and stylization. Uh, so it's, for me, that's what it is. It's just like, they blended it in such a way that even when like other games that are going for a 100% photorealistic thing, like the last of us part two is, is one of the, you know, best graphical games of the year that a lot of people are talking about. But for me, there was a lot of places where it's just like, I'm suddenly aware that I'm playing a video game because the the perfection level can't be consistently 100% perfection, right? It, it's 100% perfect in certain areas, and then it dips down to like 90% in other areas. And in those areas, even though it's 90% perfection it's like the inconsistency gets you. Yeah, it's like suddenly you're like, "Wait, hold on. This is a video game. It's that's not a real person anymore." You know, I I'm suddenly noticing that because it's a little bit off. Um Death Stranding did that last year as well. Uh even though I would have given Death Stranding best graphics last year anyway. Um you know, it's it's there's just a handful of places where it's just like, "Okay, hold on. The CG mocap, whatever's going on here is just off enough to bug me. And that literally never happened in Final Fantasy VII Remake because of how well it blurred the line of realism versus stylism. Stylization, stylizery. Shut up and drink. Also, David said he's logging off, but have a drinkful evening, so, uh, we'll drink to you, David.
1: Drink to you. Um,
0: yeah, speaking of drinking, um, I got my American lager here I was talking about from Finkel and Garf. This is actually not that bad. This is actually, I'm not a huge into, like, light lagery stuff, but this one's not bad. It's, like, easy drinking, clean, crisp, a little bit of malt on the backbone, so it's it's got more, like, oomph to it than your average American lager, um definitely recommend these guys over a fucking butt or some shit. Um I mean that's not saying a lot. But, but um yeah. That's a that's a solid beer. I'm going to give it a 12. All right. Best sounding music. You have an interesting answer written here, Chris.
1: <laughs> uh so my problem with writing best sound Music is. I played a lot of games this year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so some of them were games I had played before. Some of them were games I hadn't, uh, and a lot of those games I liked the music so much that I went out and bought the soundtracks for them, including Disco Elysium, mm-hmm. uh, including a game called Unrailed. Include uh, so. I have serious trouble deciding because I like the soundtracks of a lot of these games for different reasons, but they're all so different that they're almost incomparable.
0: That's fair. I have that problem a lot. I have a difficulty picking favorites with music a lot. Cause like people ask me sometimes like, Oh, what's your favorite song? And I'm like, uh, do you mean like Celtic folk song or bagpipe tune or, ACDC song, metal song, <laughs> classic rock. Wait, what, what are we? I'm like, hold on, I can't compare all of these things because I listen to just a lot of weird music. I'm like listening to, you know, weird folk metal here, classic rock there, bagpipes, any combination of the <laughs> different things. I, I I have a really hard time doing like Spotify playlists or anything like that because I can't get something as musically add as myself it's it's physically impossible
1: so yeah you you understand my my troubles here
0: even if somebody asks my favorite artist i'm like i don't know is it gordon duncan alice cooper pink floyd nobuo uematsu i don't fucking know
1: so what i will say is that i heard A lot of good music from a lot of the games I played this year. Some of it better than others. Disco Elysium was certainly up there in terms of music. But Disco Elysium is... It's... I I couldn't rightfully place it in my favorite. Right. Uh, There was a game called Demon Crawl that had... uh, It's, like, I want to say, like music halfway reminiscent of roomscape combined with jrpgs that i just really love but maybe i may be the only person in the world who uh enjoys it because right. it's it's kind of a weird game in its own right um unrailed has excellent music mm-hmm. so it's and i also played celeste this year and if but it wasn't the first time i'd played celeste and if i if it was the first time i'd played celeste i would just say celeste and not think about it more so uh <laughs> all
0: right so best music of the year is apparently celeste maybe
1: <laughs> um, it 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 would be celeste if this was last year yeah. is what i would say
0: well i'm going to go for a twofer cuz i got the soundtrack right here with the this is actually the special edition I can't, that came with a soundtrack as well as a couple of other fun goodies. Um, so, Final Fantasy VII Remake, if you can't see that. It's a little hard to get the right focus on there. But, uh, yeah, totally... I totally dig this game, just in general. The music... Um, I mean, Final Fantasy VII music is already iconic. Again, that's, you know, something we were talking about a little bit before when we were talking about Sephiroth and Smash. Um... And to do justice to a 20-year-old game that people have hyped up in their minds that much and and still walk away like, I don't think anybody is sad about the music in this game, that's just fucking amazing, right? Um, they brought back original composer Nobuo Uematsu to help out with the music again, um, scored the you know some of the best versions of these tunes ever written and performed them all live with the full orchestra and all that and really the quality of the music is you know as good as video game music has ever been it's it's not my favorite music uh selection of all time from a video game which is actually from another special edition i have it's got a it's t- too much crap on it it's octopat travelers my favorite soundtrack of all time but um oh. yeah but uh final fantasy 7 remake did so much to like add new and at the same time bring you the classic soundtrack like as though it were a 2020 game like if they had made final fantasy 7 in 2020 instead of 1997 this is it, it feels like this is what it would have sounded like and in addition there's just a ton of new good stuff in there that's just like adding to it even more like there is not a tune in the entire soundtrack that i would not just like put on repeat for 20 30 minutes a day right? It is just everything in it is absolutely killer. It goes to show, you know, even after all this time, Nobuo Uematsu has, you know, he has the chops. He's a fantastic fucking composer, you know, is my, I was going to say second favorite, but you know, I, as much as, <laughs> As I have music ADD, I'm going to say I'm going to flip-flop every now and then. So right now, because we're talking about it, he's hyped up in my mind a little more than Koji Kondo even. Uh, wow. Everybody fucking knows how much I love Koji Kondo. You know, I fucking love everything about Zelda, everything, you know, and everything else Koji Kondo has ever done. You know, I mean, fucking Mario. How you get to complain about the music in Mario, right? Koji Kondo has so much uh, iconic shit under his belt. But... If there's another composer that, you know, comes close on a regular basis, it's Uematsu. And I think with Remake, he fucking knocked it out of the park, you know, just updating everything to feel like it's modern and adding, you know, what needed to be added to really make the game stand out musically. This game is fucking great. Should we get into our game of the year? Absolutely. All right. Do you want to go first, or should I?
1: Uh, why don't you go first this time? Because oh, yeah. I, my game of the year is, on is not going to be too much of a surprise to anybody. I don't think.
0: Right. Um. Real quick, one thing on the on the music, I would say I really did also dig the soundtrack in Doom Eternal, but again, that's another thing that Chris is saying. It's like it's, it's comparing apples and bowling shoes. Yeah. As I like to say. But my game of the year is also Final Fantasy VII Remake. This game is just so fucking good. Because everything I said about the music really applies to the rest of the game, too. Right? Like, it just feels like if they were making... At the time, Final Fantasy VII was the biggest experience in video games. And that's what this is. But it's, it's just the beginning of it. That's how big it is. Because... You know, it's it's weird how some people like complain that they just took Midgar and made it a 40 hour game, and I'm just like so excited to see what the rest of the game is like, right? You know, I'm so sold on this for <laughs> I, I can't even tell you exactly why, but like I I I even, you know, platinum this game, which I I very, very rarely go for any achievements or trophies at all, and I platinum this game. And I'm like, you know, I spent a little over a hundred hours with it and I'm ready to go back for playthrough number three. (laughs) I am so ready. This game is so good because it's like, it's nostalgic and it's new at the same time. And everything they added feels like it had a reason for being there. You know, even, even the stupid mini games that they added were like, okay, this has no point, but it's, it's a fun distraction and I'm okay with the fact that it's there. You know, I'm sure it didn't take that much dev time relative to the rest of the game to make this all work out. Okay. That's fine that you have this weird ass mini game here. Um, and all of the other story elements that they added really kind of go into the world building of the thing. It's, You know, it's different enough of an experience that I feel like it's okay that it's it's a different thing, and I'm I'm super happy with it. Mm.
1: It is the kind of game I'll want to pick up once it's no longer a PS4
0: exclusive. Yeah. Don't have too much longer. should be April next year, I think. So only a couple of months, huh? Three, four months. Yep. Yeah, four months. So, yeah, that'll be fun. I'll be excited to talk to you about it uh, again then because I think we'll have a a lot of good conversation because, I mean, I've already talked about it a ton this year, I think, uh, just because of how much I love this game. But uh, I think we'll have even more... To talk about once we, Maybe we'll have a whole fucking episode. Just fucking... Just let's talk about this. Just devour all of the Final Fantasy VII conversation.
1: After all, why not? It,
0: it's 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 our fucking show. We can, right? we can do what we want with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So your game of the year?
1: My game of the year is... Disco Elysium.
0: uh uh-huh. I called it, but only because I can see it in the podcast notes.
1: Yeah. And... Disco Elysium and and the announcement about the Disco Elysium <laughs> update that you had, I didn't, I hadn't even known about, uh, which was super fulfilling to me. Right. Yeah. Because I had filled this out beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah, maybe it's I'll wait just, till March just to get all the voice acting and the extra missions and shit. That'll be cool. It's
1: it's a game that is basically just a tabletop RPG. It's a, lot, it's a lot of text, it's a lot of dialogue. Sometimes I would be like, most games with that much text, I would not usually consider games. I'd consider them closer to visual novels. Right. But the game does have you feel like your choices and interactions with the world and way you choose to kind of be a person all matter. Mm-hmm. And you can succeed, and when you succeed at things and fail at things, it feels like you are a... It feels like things are very different because you did so. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene in the game where your partner... So you have a partner who's... The, the game's got kind of an interesting dynamic where you're... You you, f- you find out you're a detective investigating a homicide. And you're partnered with a cop who you've never met before, who kind of acts like the straight man to your ridiculous antics, because your character is very obviously a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a scene in the game where you can try and get him to dance, but if you fail, you can insult him that so badly that he gets upset and goes home for the day. Uh, which is, and it's the kind of thing where if that happens, you've gotten so attached to this partner character who's done very little other than just kind of be the guy you bounce your silliness off of that a lot of people will just restart that scene until they get it right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Uh, it's a game where you can do the obvious thing and just ask people about, oh, do you see anything about this body? What do you know about what happened here? Were there any suspicious people here? Or you can ask them about totally insane things, like, what what is money? Like, you don't know what money is because you just woke up from amnesia, so you have to ask somebody, what is money? How much yeah. of this do you need? You might not understand the distinction between dollars and cents. Uh, depending on the way you act, you might get certain thoughts, and those thoughts can influence skills you gain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's just it—it's a very unique game. I've never—I haven't played anything like it, and I'm happy to see that it took off as well as it did. I want to see. More things like this in the world. The world is better for having.
0: Hells yeah. Alright. So that's our game of the year and our final uh category for uh our uh, I was trying to think of like a dumb drink pun to to make our game of the year award like the drink of the year award is something dumb like that, but but you know, that actually makes sense. I couldn't think of anything, and I feel sad. I'm like, as a dad, I'm dying inside.
1: That's not good.
0: But anyways, our last uh, video game award of the year is uh, the game you would most like to have a beer with, because we got to tie beer into everything, because we are Drink to the Past, and we'll drink to that. Yeah.
1: It's our name, we're contractually obligated. Hell yeah,
0: so, um, I don't know, I was having a couple of toss-ups uh, with this category, um, as I was thinking, um, maybe ape out. <laughs> Cause I feel like that ape, after everything he's been through, he needs a fucking beer, right? That poor ape. He's, he's just trying to get out. And, and there's all these fucking guys shooting him. What the hell?
1: You know what? That makes, that makes sense.
0: That's such a yeah. cool game too. Just, just like the style of it is just like, whoa, it, it's, it's, it's like an acid trip but in the best possible way. And I have no idea what an acid trip in a good way or a bad way is. And I'm saying that. I'm not sure if that makes it any better of a description. Uh, well,
1: I, 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 I think people would usually describe acid trips as pleasant.
0: Theoretically, yeah. In, in theory, yeah. But then I was also thinking, you know what? I played a lot of Master Chief Collection uh, since that came out on PC this year. Um, and also, you know, now it's on Game Pass, so I've, I've put it on my Xbox, and I've been playing some on Xbox and some on my phone and some on my, you know, this and that. I'm like, just, just playing Master Chief Collection all over the place, and I would totally love to have a beer with the Master Chief Collection. Just sit down with the Arbiter, you know, Chief, you know, Couple of grunts or something, pop a cold one? Fuck yeah. Fair enough. What's your game you'd like to have a most of beer with?
1: Uh so this is another one of those games that's been out for a while, but uh I had not played before this year.
0: Bro Force.
1: It's a game it's a side scrolling game that I kinda reminds me of like Contra, mm-hmm. except the stages are much shorter so you never have the frustration of just dying over and over again that you'd have in contra there's yeah. not really and each live life is like a different 90s action movie hero so you have things like uh you have things like the Broditer, who's just like the predator and he charges up his spear and he can pin people to walls and when he dies his body explodes or you have things like rambo or brobo or what whatever his name is where he's just rambo with an m16 where you have bro who is uh he's just macgyver he just tosses bombs and his special is he tosses a chicken and all of the enemies run towards it because they like chicken and then they explode <laughs> That's and it's uh, it's like a co-op game where you're just a bunch of like testosterone laden super Americans spreading freedom to all of the, all of these like various countries and your mission is to kill Satan. <laughs> uh, it, it's, and it's not, it's not even produced by an American. I, I forget what nationality, <laughs> I think he's Croatian.
0: Hmm, I, 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 that. I could look this up. Yeah. Uh, but I saw a he, trailer for this. I really wanted to check it out, but I never got around to it. So, I, now I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I, I just said I'd buy Disco Elysium. Now I have to buy this, too. Yeah. We'll get to Fire Emblem eventually. <laughs>
1: so so the game is kind of incredible in that it, so it's got online co-op. It's got online and local co-op. Cool. And that you can have up to four people playing bros. Mm-hmm. And one bullet will take you out. But all of your extra lives are different bros. So it's like you could play Bro Shetty who just throws machetes. But if he gets shot, uh, you would spawn back in as another bro. So you could be like the Brominator, who is, you know, he's just the Terminator. <laughs> or you could play like the Boondock Bros.
0: That is brutally awesome. Yeah. I wish I could turn in my beer for a protein shake.
1: So yeah, that, that game, I would
0: have a beer with that game. Nice. All right. And with that, you want to save our table topic for uh, – because we, we are actually like slightly over two hours now. So uh, oh, maybe wow. we'll have an all tabletop uh, awards next week. Maybe that will be cool because uh, we've, we've had a lot of video game discussion already. Uh, does that sound good to you?
1: Uh, yeah, that sounds good to me. All right. So uh,
0: thank you for joining us, our two concurrent viewers who are still with us in the audience. Uh, We've loved to have you uh, and come in next week and we will have a similar discussion to this, but for all tabletop RPGs, uh, it won't be like our tabletops of the year. It's our tabletops from just whenever, because, you know, we're we're just kind of want to shout out tabletops in various categories so that, you know, people that have kind of, you know, might be looking for a particular kind of tabletop might be able to find it. You know, if they, uh, want a tabletop for new players, a tabletop for, uh, veteran players who are looking for more customizable tabletop games, stuff like that. So we're going to shout out a couple of really good tabletops next week. Uh, definitely join us for that. As always, I am Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, uh, or Man, as you can find me in some places. So check me out on tgpzgaming.com. Uh, there I, uh, actually got a little bit of work done on my Age of Calamity article that I keep talking about all the time. Uh, that should be up, uh, pretty soon. Um, I'm gonna have a review of Age of Calamity. I also have some other opinion pieces up there. Uh, also on Two twoguysplayingzelda.com, which is the original TGPZ. Um, you can find some of my, I have a review of every Legend of Zelda game ever made. Uh, almost. Not, not quite, uh because I, I have not reviewed the uh, CDI games that 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 is the distinction there Have if reviewed uh, tinkle Strokes, colored Ruby I have not reviewed that either uh, because that is not a game that is localized in a place where I live and it is not a game that I am interested in enough to import it so you know if if it was a different kind of spin-off like if it was a spin-off of Beetle, I would totally import that shit, but not Tingle. I am not a Tingle fan.
1: Uh just shows that you're truly American.
0: I guess, yeah. Like I hated Tingle before it was cool on the internet, right? That's how much yeah. I hate Tingle. Anyways, uh, and of course I'm joined as always by my good old co host.
1: Hi, I'm Chris. Can't think of a last name audit. Uh you could find... Well, you know where to find my writings, if you listen to the podcast a lot. That's Me and true. my co-authors' writings uh, were under five cataclysms on RPGs and Itch.io. Uh, anything that I had a hand in writing, you can pick up or pay what you want. You can pick it up for absolutely free, if you like. And uh, my co-authors also put out some things that are also quite good, but you have to pay money for those. So, you know, if you're fundamentally opposed to paying money, uh, probably won't like those as much. Mm-hmm. Fair
0: warning. Yeah, so uh, check out them. And uh, with that, we come to the final stretch of the podcast where we just talk about inane bullshit until somebody says something really awkward and I cut off the podcast. So, uh, what kind of inane bullshit you want to talk about this week, Chris?
1: Uh, let's see. So, Cyberpunk 2020 apparently has been having a glitch where people's dicks have been like phasing out through their genes.
0: So, so when you say they're you you customize their dick, you you actually see a penis on screen. Oh yes, you absolutely see a penis on screen. That, okay. That's just because I because I, I was wondering play. about how the uh, genital thing works and it like if it was like just a like a crotch bulge you later or something like because like we've seen that kind of thing in like you know wwe wrestling games you can customize your your boob size and your crotch bulge and all that and and, oh no uh, no, no, no. elder scrolls games even do that so yeah this, this is going a step further that's that's impressive
1: yeah you have like an actual penis that you see on screen
0: and occasionally, it sticks through your trousers.
1: Yeah, and, and that—that's a glitch. So, like, it'll stick out your clothes. Like, you just forgot to zip zip it up, and your dick's just hanging out there. Yep. Uh, and I'm kind of am i am kind of half jokingly, half not actually jokingly disappointed with the genital customization thing being as limited as it is, mm-hmm. because I'm like, I kind of wanted like Saints Row Four-style sliders. I want I wanted to have like one like pea-sized testicle and one like just giant distended <laughs> testicle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, cuz I I was wondering about exactly how that was. So it, it seems odd to me that you just get two dick shit is is it like cut and uncut or what?
1: Yeah, it's just cut and uncut. That's that's your options. Mm-hmm. Which is I mean like fair that they were gonna represent that, I suppose. So, but...
0: does it come up on screen enough to like matter that you chose? Oh, it? There,
1: there's a few scenes where you wake up and you you're like looking at yourself in the mirror, hmm. and in those scenes you might like see your dick. I like I'm playing a lady character, so I'm saying her. Like, you see her boobs a lot because. Apparently, sometimes the game just decides to make you wake up naked, and you're like, oh, I'm naked, and I'm recovering from this horrible illness, and also there's boobs on screen. So it's, I, it's a very, you can tell the game was not made by Americans, Hmm. I guess is what I could say.
0: Right. Because the Americans, like,
1: are prudes, basically
0: bit yeah yeah it's kind of interesting <laughs> it's, it's not something I would have guessed out of any of the you know promotional material but uh I guess it's a thing it's huh not really sure what to make of that until I see it like in gameplay you know I, I guess I don't know that's that's a game that I really want to get but I'm just like uh ah, too many games and you know Not enough money. And I'm like, I keep thinking I'm just going to get around to Witcher 3 one of these days, which is, you know, the other thing that everybody touts as balls by CD Projekt Red. So I'm like, should I get around to that first or or what? Because that might take 200 hours or something that everybody keeps telling me.
1: Uh, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you there. It's, uh, I I haven't played The Witcher 3. I picked up Cyberpunk 2077 on the hopes that it would be something it was, it it doesn't feel like it's turning out to be. Um. Um, I suppose I didn't know enough about the game and fell victim to hype. Right. Again.
0: Well, it's. One of the things I like about buying games on release day, though, is that you get to be part of the hype and at least get to be part of the conversation for good or bad. You know, even when you're like, oh, there's something really glaringly wrong with this game that I need to complain about. You know, you're in that moment and people can talk to you about it. So uh, are you at least getting any interesting conversation out of it?
1: Uh, Mostly just the one about how disappointed I am that about the genital that it. Limited- the the limited genital customization. I'm like, you know, you can tell that if this was done by the team that did Saints Row, uh, you would be able to come up with genitals that, you know, no one in real life has that you're pretty sure aren't even biologically possible. Right. Like, I bet if this was done by the team from Saints Row, they would add in a system where you could make your dick so big that if it got erect in game, you would just die from the blood rushing out of your brain.
0: Calling it now. It's going to happen in Saints Row 5. People are going to die walking down the street with a boner.
1: We'd all like that to happen. No. We would. I'm dead.
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess he died happy.
1: In a video game. Right? Yeah. Is there anything wrong with that happening in a video
0: I don't know. Um... I mean, there's
1: been tabletop RPGs where there was a tabletop RPG called Dead Earth where you would, the rulebook said you were only ever able to play three characters total and you weren't allowed to play the game anymore if you played after losing your third character. And also, okay. your character could die from mutations in character generation. And that would count as one of your character deaths. So, uh... It wasn't a good game, but I would say... It's an interesting take.
0: Yeah. Like, what? (laughs) I don't even understand what the possible benefit of that would be. And, like, nobody's going to follow that rule, are they?
1: Well... No, not unless you're like twelve and you think you gotta do what the book says,
0: right? You know, if you're twelve years old and you're in a cult and they they tell you if you don't do what the book says, then you know the devil is gonna rape your dick they, off. Yeah, they
1: they tell you that you're going to get an erection, and you're going to pass out from blood loss. Yeah, so you gotta not do that.
0: But if that happens, then you could audition for Saints Row Five. Yeah,
1: highly recommended.